Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Our scripture reading today is 2 Timothy verses 4 or chapter 4 verses 9 through 18. If you want to follow along in your Pew Bible, it's on page 1451. 2 Timothy is one of the letters attributed to the apostle Paul. Paul being one of the great evangelists of the early church and who wrote a lot of the New Testament. This letter was written to, you may have guessed, a young man named Timothy. Timothy was Paul's um, mentee, his protege, his student. And this letter was written when Paul was in prison, late in his life in Rome, awaiting, really, death. So listen now to God's word to us. Paul wrote, Do your best to come to me quickly. Damas has fallen in love with the present world and has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He has been a big help to me in the ministry. I send Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, bring along the coat I left with Carpus in Troas. Also bring the scrolls and especially the parchments. Alexander, the craftsman who works with metal, has really hurt me. The Lord will pay him back for what he has done, but watch out for him because he opposes our teaching. No one took my side at my first court hearing. Everyone deserted me. I hope that God doesn't hold it against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that the entire message would be preached through me and so all the nations could hear it. I was also rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil action and will save me for his heavenly kingdom. To God be the glory forever and always. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, kindle in us the fire of your love that we would be created anew. In the words that I speak, in the thoughts of all of our hearts, may you move, may you reveal yourself to us, that we would receive your word and your guidance for our lives. Be with us now, 
come quickly. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This passage is a bit random, I think. I never really paid that much attention to it before. It's not much of a story. But here we have Paul, who you remember was once a man named Saul. Saul, who was a great persecutor of the early Christians, whose life was changed when he was struck by a blinding light and heard a voice from God on the road to Damascus and was called to follow Jesus. So that was a 180 in his life, and Paul did, in fact, follow Jesus, followed Jesus all over the ancient world, spreading the word of God and founding churches, and we have preserved in the New Testament many of his writings to the early churches. Paul now is at the end of his life, as I said. He's in prison in Rome for preaching Christ. He who once uh, imprisoned people for their beliefs in Christ is now in that same position. His death is near. And he's writing to Timothy, the one that he mentored. Timothy had also become a friend. And you can hear some of that in these words, which come at the end of this letter. With death near, Paul must have been wondering, what is really important? What are the last things that I should say? And what does he need? And so the thing that is kind of random about this passage is you hear him asking for the cloak that he left, you know, in that place, and his scrolls and his parchments. And more than that, he asks for Timothy's presence. And then we hear him rattle off this list of names, people that left him, people that are still with him, and oh yeah, watch out for that other guy. Paul expresses his sorrow and even his anger. Though he is alone, he reaches out to the body of Christ. In all of this random mashup of things, requests, and expressions of emotion, we see Paul as deeply and really human, like us. We see a snapshot of his human life and his personality and the community of which he was a part, the community that sustained him, that made Paul's ministry possible. I think the creators of this worship series, I've been meaning to ask, where we've been exploring community and connection and courage. I think the creators chose this passage because it shows Paul asking for help, being human, relying on other people. Paul, who was a great leader, was never afraid to express his own need. He doesn't shy away from it here. Here we see that he is vulnerable. Come quickly, he says to his student, Timothy. It's almost as if he's saying the question we're pondering this week. Can you help me? 
We've been focusing on others throughout this series with questions like, where does it hurt? And what do you need? But this question this week, can you help me, turns it a little bit on ourselves. It makes us think about what we need and how others can help us. For some of us, that may be the hardest question to ask. Can you help me? I don't know how many times in my own life I've found myself doing something by myself, getting really frustrated, only to realize that I should have asked for help a long time ago. Or the number of times in my life I've been wandering around Target or Kroger looking for something. One time in a new Kroger, it was the raisins. I could not find the raisins. And do I ask for help? No, I just keep wandering and wandering up and down the aisles. And you may know the stereotype of men who get lost when driving and never stop to ask for directions. You may be that person. It is a stereotype, but I've also seen it in action, and truthfully, I've been that person myself before, too. Asking for help is not always comfortable. When Lydia was little, one of the most repeated phrases in our household was repeating to her over and over again, Lydia, say, help, please. Because she would do that thing that I just talked about, where she would be getting really frustrated with something that she wasn't quite old enough to do by herself or didn't know how to do. And instead of asking for help, she would just, you know, sit there and scream. <laughs> so we had to teach her how to ask for help. Maybe some children know how to do that naturally, but Lydia, we're still working on that even now. But children, as they grow and learn, they become more independent, and it's natural for them and for us to learn how to do things on our own. It's important that we become adults and learn how to do some things. But there's also an extreme of this, where their myth is that we can do everything on our own, where that independence that we learn, which is well and good, can get taken to the extreme. There's the myth that we no longer need to say, help, please. That if we're successful, we should have no need of anyone else and be utterly self-sufficient. We are tempted as adults by this myth of rugged individualism, that we can and should do it all on our own. And so we don't ask for help because it may expose our own weakness. We don't ask for help because we don't want to be a burden on others. And sometimes we get stuck in an identity of being a helper. This is sometimes a cultural thing in the white church where we've got this white saviorism thing going and we think our job is to go out and help the poor, needy people in the world. And that's well and good, but then we forget that there are things we need too, that we don't have it all together. And that uh, dynamic also happens in families. Maybe you've known a family or been in a family where there's the proverbial black sheep 
who's always doing something wrong, but then there's the ever-perfect good child. Parents like that ever-perfect good child, right? But uh, that ever-perfect good child learns to never ask for help. But the truth is that we all have needs, we all have things to give, we all have talents, we all have need. And all of that separation ignores that fundamental way that God made us, that we are to be in relationship in, with each other, giving and receiving. And we know that this is the reality because on a basic biological level, everything exists in an ecosystem. We are interconnected, our cells, our lives, the air we breathe. Research has shown that our health outcomes are linked just as strongly to our sense of social support as to more obvious health behaviors such as nutrition or exercise. We are born dependent as babies, and most of us will leave life that way, dependent. And no matter how we die, though, others will take care of our body. That's just a fact of life. And there are simply things we cannot do on our own. When we are in prison, like Paul, we cannot go and get our own cloak that we left, you know, at that place. We cannot visit ourselves. We cannot protect our families, ourselves, from COVID-19 all on our own, no matter how much we wish we could. We need lots of people to mask and vaccinate themselves. We cannot secure our salvation on our own. We cannot recon reconcile ourselves to God and each other by ourselves in a room alone somewhere. We need God. We are part of the body of Christ. We cannot do this faith thing by ourselves. We are all connected in God. And the church, our church, all churches, are for all their faults, for all our faults, this is a place where we hold out the hope of authentic community, of giving help, asking for help, being interdependent and grounded in love. So community is essential to life. It's not just important, it is the very fabric of our lives. It is bedrock theological truth. We need each other. We have gifts to give. We have things we need. This faith thing is about togetherness. Asking for help then is a very normal and natural part of being in community. It is a part fundamental even, of our faith, even if it is uncomfortable. Once upon a time, when I was in seminary, Blake was there with me, though not in seminary, Blake got very sick to his stomach. And it seemed like it may have been more than just a stomach bug, but we really didn't want to mess with going to urgent care or anything, and we sort of kept thinking, well, maybe it is just a stomach bug. And we kept an eye on it, but then the next morning I had class, and I think I had a quiz or something, which may have 
influenced how I reacted to all of this. But me being not the greatest wife in that particular moment, went to class for my quiz and left poor Blake at home. And things got worse for Blake, and eventually he uh, took himself to the hospital only to realize that he had appendicitis and needed surgery immediately. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know what I was thinking through all of that, but part of it I know was that I didn't want to acknowledge that we needed something. I didn't want the interruption to my plans. I didn't want to have to figure out everything. It's so petty, but I didn't want to have to reschedule my quiz. Didn't want to have to tell my professors, um, which I had to in the end. And our community, our chosen family, showed up for us um, without us even really asking. But yes, there is something difficult about asking for help slowing down and, and saying something is wrong and we need each other. So what then shall we do? How can we ask each other for help? How do we become more vulnerable and lean into that discomfort of relationship? First, I think we acknowledge daily that we are part of an interconnected whole. And we have to do that because we so easily forget and hear so many messages that tell us to do life on our own. So remember, you, we, are a family of humanity and in Christ. Second, honor or accept the tender parts of yourself where you're in need or struggling. We don't need to compare our pain to others to feel like we deserve to feel it. Because actually, the truth is that having compassion for ourselves, knowing our own need, helps us to have empathy and compassion for others. It connects us there. When we are helpers all the time, we are cut off from other people and true connection. Paul was humble in his request, come quickly. And that's the kind of humility that we're called to emulate. Finally, it's okay to ask for help if you need it. Even if help doesn't come as expected, I don't know if Timothy actually made his way to see Paul, but the asking itself, saying that we are in need, it helps orient us toward that community of care helped Paul maybe remember that he was part of the body of Christ and was not alone. And it opens us toward God's care. Because even when other people can't care for us, God can. Paul relied on that spiritual strength. You hear it throughout his writings that everything he did was not about him, but about God working through him. We need God, we need each other, and we can ask for help. And guess what? Other people want to help, it turns out. I'm not sure where I learned this, but somewhere along the way, I got the impression that asking for help burdened other people, or that there were some things that you could ask for, but some things you couldn't, and that 
our my relationships were kind of on this tier level thing where well I'm close enough to so and so that I can ask for them you know to come and babysit but not for them to come and stay the night if ever we needed that with Lydia but it turns out people do want to help and that our relationships don't actually exist on that tier we are all in relationship and people can say no if they want to but people also do want to help. A pastor I know had uh, broke her leg in the spring and she had surgery. And she, being a pastor like me, lives far from family. And she needed people to stay with her at night after the surgery. She says it was hard for asking for help, especially for asking, for asking people to come spend a night with me. Providing meals is a fairly normal thing to do for someone after a death or a surgery or a new baby, so that didn't feel hard to ask for. But for her, asking for people to spend the night felt like this huge thing. So felt like, oh, our people expect family to do that. But her family wasn't there, and she wasn't sure that her friends were close enough with her. She'd only been in that community for like three years. But what she found, and what I found again and again, is that people want to help and people want to be loved. People want to give their love away. People want to be useful. Asking for help allows others to respond to God's call in their life. It allows others to be in relationship with us, to break down those barriers. When we are vulnerable, we can know true fellowship and wholeness in community. And that is what God has made us for. God has made us for each other and has given us community, our relationships, to keep teaching us how to belong to one another. And that is how God works through our life. It's through people. That community is for all of us, bringing us all together. We don't need to go through anything alone. We can ask for help. We can accept help. We can give help, too, when we're able to do that. Or we can just sit and know that help is on the way because God is there. So, friends, the Holy Spirit is with you always. The community of Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with you always. And it is good and right and maybe even holy for us all to say, can you help me?